You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Yo, it is another edition of the High Hopes Podcast. I am James Seltzer, and with me, coming off a incredibly depressing fantasy day where his team basically just crapped the bed for him. He still won, but he's complaining about points by how many points he won by but that what else are you gonna do fantasy fritz jack fritz what's going on buddy uh james well i am inspired by philly city hall every day <laughs> please thanks, tell me thanks, you know gabe. what I'm ta- thanks dude, gabe. dude i just noticed that today but that is about the most gabe kapler gabe kapler i could gabe kapler could possibly be <laughs> yeah it's definitely a very gabe kapler thing to have in your twitter bio it's just like it's just like come on man like come on Give us, you know, you don't have to always be so Gabe. Yeah, he does. I think that I think he does. <laughs> I think that's just how he rolls. And and Jack, damn it, if you saw City Hall every day, you'd be inspired too. Or maybe if you were just a better you, you know, Gabe's the best Gabe he can be, Jack. Yeah, well, I mean, us on the High Hopes, the High Hopes podcast, we are all Gabe guys. Oh, big time Gabe guys. Big time Gabe. Gabe Crusaders, as John Ritchie likes yeah. to call it. Um, all right. Speaking of Gabe and your Philadelphia Phillies, they're in first place, Jack Fritz, sitting at uh, 49 and 38 on the season. Thank you to the Milwaukee Brewers for keeping them in first place today. But look, they won another series, Jack, and we are sitting here. We've come out of the the hellish June, which didn't end up being as hellish as we thought it was going to be. And now they're playing even better baseball. They've won seven out of eight series. They take two of three in Pittsburgh. We'll dive into the games specifically, of course, one of them particularly long. But just on, uh, a, yeah, it was. It was. <laughs> on a macro level where this team is sitting right now, we are you know, a little about a week and a half away from the All-Star break, whatever it is, a week away from the All-Star break. Um, where are you at with this first place Philadelphia Phillies team? Dude, so... I don't know how you get when the Phillies are good, but like when the Phillies are good, like Jack changes and a a good Phillies Jack is a, just a different person. So like what I mean is that I, I wake up every day thinking about the Phillies. I go to bed thinking about the Phillies. I spend all day leading up to the trade deadline, uh, just finding trades to make this team better. I just, I just bought more Phillies gear online this week. I am like, I've reached the point where I'm so in on this team that like, I, I have to wear their gear all the time because they're all I think about. You know, I went through this Fugazi mode of of post really good Phil's runs where I was like, oh, I like the Sixers. I may like them more than the Phillies. Oh, the Eagles. They're the Eagles. I always love them. I like them more than the Phillies. No, I don't. I love the Phillies. And they are just the fact that they are back and they're good again and like people care again. It's, it is it is so much fun because we're actually 
we're actually able to break down games again. We're able to, to, to actually talk about this team. It's mostly positive. Um, it's really fun. And we're in first place. And I'll tell you what, it is freaking ridiculous that the whole season, the national media is going crazy over this freaking Braves team. And then all of a sudden, we take over first place, and you don't hear a freaking peep. There's nothing going on from the national media about the Phillies being in first place. It's like, oh, well, the young upstart Braves, look at how good they are. They're going to dominate the league for 10 years. Well, guess what, national media? Uh, they're in second place now. How would you talk about the Phillies, who, with like some of the worst offensive production from third base, shortstop, and right field, are finding ways to win ball games with, behind a, a pitching staff that before the season was ripped on, was never supposed to be this good, but they're pitching fantastic, behind a manager who should be manager of the year. Like, how, Can we get some love? Like just a little bit of love. I think it's ridiculous that the Braves are getting all this love <laughs> for being for being young, but the Phillies are younger. The Phillies are a younger team, and they are exceeding expectations. They have a better record than the Braves, and they're in first place. Give us some respect. <laughs> oh, you're shot out of a cannon tonight, Fritzy. Uh, the part I love about that was you start off talking about how I'm just so happy right now, man, and Phillies are good, and now I'm angry and I'm pissed off. That was very good. It was a good, uh, a good roller coaster of emotions you just took us on there, Fritz. But I totally agree with your sentiment that there is something special in this city with this fan base when the Phillies are good, and we're starting to see the Phillies be back, and people starting to believe that they are actually back as you know first place. And like you said, I do think that. I think nationally, they're still not really getting a lot of credit, even in like statistical projection models and stuff, uh, you know, like their Pythagorean win model isn't that as, as high as it should be, you know, uh, the, the baseball prospectus and Sierra and Bacota and all these people don't have them as highly rated as they do the Braves. Um, so look, I, I think it's a very fair point that, uh, that, that they're not getting the respect that they deserve, but you know, what? We're, we're from Philly and we don't care. Ultimately, all that matters is winning baseball games. And like you said, Jack, they're finding ways to win games. It's a team that hasn't really clicked on all cylinders at any point all season. And yet again, sitting here 11 games over 500. I mean, they didn't win their 49th game until like late August, early September last season. It's absolutely ridiculous. And when you look at the schedule, the way it shakes out, even just heading into the All-Star break, I think there's no doubt that come the All-Star break, and ultimately the trade deadline, they're going to be in as buyers. We'll talk about that as well. But I love the fire, Fritz. Let's, you mentioned yeah, well, it, though. Uh, Go ahead. Yeah. I, You're really you fiery the, tonight. Look at you. You're so fiery. Have you noticed the uptick in in people that you weren't really expecting being in on this Phillies team? Like it, I, think it's, I think it's really, really cool when the city gets behind the team again. You know, it's not just always – it's not like this team sucks or – the manager, whatever. I've talked to more people in the last couple of weeks being like, yeah, I'm actually enjoying getting back into the Phillies again. And they're sitting down and watching full non-inning games again because this team is interesting. And I just, I'm very glad that, that that is back. I know I don't, I don't do well with frauds, but like it's something different about baseball because I'm so concerned about like the future of baseball and, and Citizens Bank Park being full that I just want everyone to watch as much as possible. So I don't really care in baseball. We know who the real ones are. The real ones listen to the High Hopes podcast. But I think it's cool when the general public gets back into the Phillies. And I've, ta- I've had multiple conversations the last couple of weeks with being people who have mostly been out that are, that are getting back into the team again. And I, I just get, you know, 
I feel really inspired every day waking up knowing that. Uh, look at you. You wake up you wake up thinking about the Phillies inspired about the fan base. Fritz, yeah. what what's ha- are you teary-eyed right now? Is it is it getting Listen, misty just, over there? I just care so much. I can I tell. Want, I want people to love him again. I like uh it's it's I'm happy. I'm very happy. I'm sorry. Yeah, I feel I feel like you might love the Phillies more than Gabe Kapler loves being inspired by City Hall every day. Okay. Uh, uh, look, I, you said it before. We can actually talk about these games. So, so let's dive into what happened this weekend. As we have not talked since this Pittsburgh series, they sweep Pittsburgh at home, and it looked like they might do it again. Of course, uh, a Sunday loss, a Drew Anderson, almost a throwaway game. But, but let let's look at the first few games of the series as two very different games. But of course, Friday's game, the longest or tied for the longest game in National League history, whatever it was, nine inning game, of course. Uh, just a, a, a really unbelievable game to watch is it just kept going and going and going and you get to the top of the ninth and the Phillies just won't stop pouring on runs and you're sitting there saying enough already just to send this game. Fritz is texting me. He was working it. I mean, wait, wait, I'm sure we're going to get a little feist out of Fritz for how long that game was. <laughs> but, but in addition to the, the uh, feist over the long uh, game, Fritz, what did you think of the, the Friday performance? Uh, I mean, it was horrible. I I wanted them to stop, I, I to stop scoring so bad. Who know, says Who says it was horrible when it's seventeen to six? Your team wins. I know, I know. It's just that like I didn't get out of there until like one a.m. and I just wanted to go home. And now I'm very happy with the result. Obviously, it was great. Um, and I feel like you know, I I've been, I, a lot of tweets have been directed my way. Uh, regarding Nick Pavetta recently, and I just I feel like I have to come out and 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 be pro pro Nick. So let me just let me just defend Nick Pavetta here for about two minutes, James. If that's okay, I'll give you a minute and thirty seconds. Cool. So Pavetta wasn't great, but there was three things that happened, much like the Harper non K from a couple weeks ago, that caused a lot of this. A double in the first inning, not wearing sunglasses. They messed up a double play ball and Nap didn't block a third strike. And for some reason with the, the Phillies catchers, they try to like, I, I understand it's weird. So it's the, when counts are two, two, you see Knapp and Alfaro both stand up like trying to, and I understand what they're trying to do. Cause they're trying to get into the batter's peripheral thinking that it's a, it's a high fastball coming, but it's really the slider in the dirt. And I, I understand that premise, but if you're going to do that, get your freaking ass on the on the ground and block the ball if it's going into the dirt. Like on on Friday night, he he tried to backhand it. Alfaro tries to backhand it. You can't backhand balls when it's going in the dirt, especially when they move like Pavetta's, because then you see a guy get on base, and he, that's happened multiple times. And LA complains about it on the on the broadcast, but I think I understand why they do it because they're trying to get into the batter's peripheral and make him think that it's high fastball when really it's going in the dirt. But if you know the ball is going in the dirt, like just get down and block it. Like it's it's terrible. Um, and setting up like that, I just think it's bad. I, I think it I think it hurts more than it helps. I think it's playing too much mind games. Um, and then, you know, in the inning that they ended up pulling Pavetta, he was he, he was in a 14 pitch at bat. And listen, I'm, I'm trying not to. I'm making excuses for Nick. I understand that. But 14 pitches at pitch at bats are tiresome. Like they take everything out of you. And it gets to the point where you're just like, all right, I'm just going to throw a strike. And if he hits it, he hits it because I just kind of want this to be over. Like, I know that sounds weak minded, but that's just the philosophy of the pitcher. So 
Um, I'm still bullish on Pavetta, uh, but it wasn't great. And he has to be mentally tougher. I, and I thought at the beginning of the season he was very mentally tough, and that's what was leading to a lot of his breakouts. And I feel like recently he's kind of retracted back to the old Pavetta. But um, that's what I had to say about Nick Pavetta. So stop tweeting at me. Yeah, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm still on Team Nick. Both Nicks. We'll get into that coming up. But I am still on Team Nick Pavetta as well. Look, it was a rough outing. I'm with you. I, I thought I, I've seen some mental fortitude from this season. I, I still think that is in him. I still think he has the ability to to be a bulldog out there. It is crazy, though. You know, I would have – you asked me a couple weeks ago, we talked about if Aaron Nola had to pitch the final game of the season and who would you want pitching the wild card game. And I, I, I said Pavetta, and now it's Eflin. You know, if I had to pick a guy how they're pitching right now, I would take Eflin over Pavetta. I just think you have to, which is also crazy. But I think you make some really fair points. I mean, that first inning, the shadows were were ridiculous. Oduble, he couldn't see anything. I mean, they were clear. You know, he, he bounced the. He made the two mistakes really. Um, so I'm with you. I, I and it's tough sometimes that can snowball on a pitcher. It seemed like it did against Pavetta. It's especially frustrating when the offense gets going and the, the starter isn't able to settle down and, and just kind of work around it and, and maybe not make their best pitches, but give you some innings and get that win, you know, get the easy win. But that didn't happen. But from, uh, you know, at least from a, a offensive perspective, certainly a, a fun showing everybody hit Jack O'Double goes yard. Andrew Knapp, let, let, real quick before, uh, before we start to really get into one of the arguments I'm sure we'll have. Um, Andrew Knapp has been hitting the ball really well the last couple weeks. It seems like it, at least to the naked eye, seems like there's some launch angle stuff going on there. Um, what what have you seen or, or heard about what Knapp's been doing to, to kind of be uh, seeing the ball a little bit better lately? And, and do you have any, because he's been getting a few more starts lately too, and I wonder if that, I assume that bat is tied into it. What are yeah. your what's your, kind of your take on Andrew Knapp right now? Um, I think he's better. Like I tr- I just trust him at the plate more than Jorge Alfaro. Like I still like Alfaro a lot, but I've seen so many uncompetitive at bats against like ninety five plus late in games that like I, I I just can't fully trust him. Um, now what he did on Saturday was great, but what Andrew Knapp's doing recently is, and he's talked about this a, a good amount in some interviews, is that he first off watches. According to the broadcast, he watches the most film on the team, so he's always studying this stuff. But he's also using a shorter bat in um, batting practice, so trying to shorten up his swing and make it more compact and, and straight down towards the ball. I know what you're talking about with launch angle, but I think it, was, it's more, it more has to do with shortening up his swing and, uh, and not making it as long. Because uh, that, that's what really was so frustrating about Nandrew Knapp, because it was a long swing. Now he's cutting down. You're seeing a lot more like he's choking up and, and just trying to focus on on uh, shortening up his swing and making it more compact. So I, I, I've been pretty encouraged with Andrew Knapp. He's, he's sit, hitting some power at the moment. Um, neither one are good defensively, but I think I would rather play – I would rather give Knapp most of the starts, I think, at this point. Now, I know his arm is, is dog crap compared to – It's so bad, man. Team, but, play, but, but, they just run on him nonstop. I know. I know. It's bad, but – like Jorge, he just doesn't have a he doesn't have a plan when he goes off the bat. I like I don't know what his plan is. It, it, he swings at so many <laughs> sliders that are like worm burners. 
I, I just I just can't believe it. Yeah, I, I it's a Warrior tough Park. spot. It's a tough spot. I'm with you. But and I, I, I would ride the, I would ride the nap hot streak. I, I, I just would. Yeah, I think that's probably the right call too. Just in terms of, at least while he's seeing the ball so well, hitting it so well, I think you probably ride that streak. At least certainly, I think you 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 play him against right-handed pitching right now. I think that's a no-brainer, um, as he's been really good from the left side of the plate. But um, all right, let's let's uh, look at. Obviously, that was a fun one, even though maybe not as fun for you working it as it was for everyone just hanging out at home and watching the Phillies continue to pile on runs. Well, well, well last thing on Friday night, uh, the bullpen again was tremendous. Yeah, Austin Davis comes in. I I, I don't hate Austin Davis. No, he's fine. He's fine. Uh, he he was up to ninety four today. I saw, which I, I'm intrigued by. Yeah, um, he's all right. Are we beginning to trust this bullpen a little bit, or where are we at? A little bit. Little bit. Little bit. You're waiting until they, they get Brad Hand. Yeah. Look, uh, I think that I think that's still the main area that Clentag needs to upgrade. But look, it's a great point. It's it's tough because we're talking about basically a week, right? I mean, basically since the Washington series, which was last weekend through now, they've been awesome. Uh, it lights out awesome. Again, those last two games of the Washington series, the, you know, seven innings of work after Velasquez gets hurt. And then the eight innings in the 13 inning game where of course Nick Pavetta wanted to go into the game, went into the game, asked to go in and got the job done. So let's not forget about that. Pavetta haters for you. Tweet I did Jack, not forget about that. Tweet Jack's uh, eyes off. I was going to say tweet Jack's ears off, but it's probably eyes. That makes more sense. But, yeah, so. but uh, I think, look, I think we're starting to look, I think it goes back to something you and I talked about a lot in earlier episodes of the season was that even when they were struggling, it was still a lot of talent in that pen that we, that we believed in, you know, guys who, I've seen Tommy Hunter be really good in the major leagues before. Uh, we saw, uh, and obviously Adubrai Ramos actually had success, but you could see it with Garcia. You could see it with Adam Morgan has shown to be that he could be a devastating left-handed reliever in, in Major League Baseball. Victor Arano has had spurts where he's shown that he could be a really good reliever in, in Major League Baseball. So I, I think that... I think that sometimes I think maybe the confidence is a little back more and these guys are starting to trust their stuff more. And for whatever reason, they're certainly having more success. But I still think that in the the grand scheme of the rest of the season, if you're talking about really competing, I think they need to add an arm. And it doesn't have to be a closer per se, even though I would love to get someone who who feels confident taking the ball in that ninth inning. But uh, as long as it's... I mean, look, if they get Kirby Yates instead of Brad Hand, if they get you know, go to uh, uh, whoever, Addison Reed, or, you know, those types of guys. Addison I would, Reed? Whatever, those types of guys. Well, Addison Reed's a, a solid pitcher. He's had a terrible year. Has he been bad in Minnesota? I haven't been following him. Fernando Rodney's been great. Trade for Rodney, whatever. I mean, that guy will take the ball. He's the like 90 at this point, right? He's been great. Fernando Rodney has been unreal this year. Um, yeah, I haven't paid attention to Addison Reed, yeah, but Addison Reed is like a four two eighty RA. All right, so not great, but you know that type of guy. Um, so the point is, it doesn't have to be a closer. Addison but Reed obviously, last year, Addison Reed last year, and and really yeah. like the the three or four years prior to that too. But I uh, point being that I do think that they still need to to supplement there. But I'm starting to trust it more. Where are you coming down? Uh, I am. Uh, I've always believed like in the talent in the bullpen, but. Um, I think these guys are starting to get into roles, and I think Gabe 
has done a better job of managing them on a on a night in night out basis. And I think getting Nishek back helps a lot. Like Nishek is a guy that just comes in and produces soft contact. Like that's that's like what he does. It's it's unbelievable. I don't care how old he is. I don't care how how annoying he is. Like I, I really don't like Pat Nishek. Oh, I but hate I him. Love, I can't. I love He's my least favorite Pat player on the team. As soon as he came <laughs> back, it's like, yep, least favorite guy. Yeah, yeah. But go go but, get your baseball card signed and be a jerk to somebody because they won't sign it or whatever. But he's pretty damn good, and I'll take it. I'll take agree, it. But agree. I, I love the guy. Go get outs. I, I I'm not I, a fan of yours, but go get outs, and we'll be fine. I think I've I think I've definitely settled on get Brad Hand because I want to keep him away from other NL teams. It lets everyone else settle into a role. Um, and I think he helps for you for the next three years when you're trying to win a World Series. So I think I think Brad Hand is the move that I would give up legitimate pieces for this offseason. I've kind of moved away from Machado, but I feel like the Phillies bullpen could turn into the Eagles cornerback situation really quickly. Like for, for four years there, it was like, well, they're ever going to get a quarterback or cornerback. And then the, now they have like a surplus of cornerbacks. And I kind of feel like if they go get Brad Hand, uh, let Sir Anthony be the fireman. Um, let Pat Neshek come in and, and be like a suedo fireman, pseudo fireman. Um, and then everyone else just be 95. Suedo? Pseudo? Pseudo. <laughs> Listen, man. I'm trying Suedo. to sound smart for people. Yeah, well, Suedo. Say pseudo if you want to sound smart. Pseudo. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it allows those guys to just use their talent, go throw 95 plus, And I don't know. I think, I think the bullpen would turn into a strength real quick if they'll get a guy like Brad Hand. Sueda, that was good. Um, and so that makes me think of Johnny Cueto for some reason. Uh, look, I'm with you. I think Brad Hand is the move, especially considering that he's a lefty as well, so a little more versatility when you have a, a lefty-like hand and Sir Anthony is a righty. The ability- oh, good lefty? That'd be crazy. Wouldn't that yeah. be a good idea to have? Well, especially a guy you can put in the ninth, but that gives you, like, it gives you essentially two firemen, one one from each side of the plate, essentially. You know what I mean? Like, it gives you a, a side of the mound, whatever you want to call it. it and essentially, because Brad Hand could go in in the eighth inning and Sir Anthony could pitch the ninth, Sir Anthony could pitch the sixth and seventh, he could pitch the eighth, whatever it is. I mean, the point is that Hand, it gives you it gives a little bit more adjustable type of matchups there as either guy could close out a particular game if the matchups dictate a lefty-righty type of thing. So I'm with you. I love the Brad hand move, but uh, we'll get into another uh, trade name. As it looks like Machado, it seems like the Phillies are kind of dropping off that as well. There were the couple reports out there this weekend that uh, Clintac is looking more for deals where he can take on salary and not have to give up as many prospects, which, yeah, buddy, I think that is a, a great decision, especially considering they have a lot of salary to burn. But, Jack, before we get into that, quickly on the uh, the second game they won of the series, the Saturday game, uh, the 3-2 victory. It was a really fun victory in the sense that they're down 2 nothing the entire game, just getting beat, getting beat, getting beat. And all of a sudden, it's 3-2. And they shut it down again. The bullpen does a nice job. Victor Arano, his second save. Jake Arrieta will get to in a sec. But we got to just do it because the guy who got it started, the big triple, ends up Scoring the tying run. The man, the myth, the legend. The only guy who was able to even score a run in today's game with the homer. Nick Williams, Jack, you're dying on this hill. You still <laughs> you still think Aaron Altair over Nick Williams? What is wrong with you? I didn't I didn't see the Nick Williams triple. Is that real? Did that happen? Oh, it happened. It happened. It happened. Um, so yeah, like people are starting like 
I'm mostly having fun when I'm saying like time to end the Nick Williams experiment. Like, I, just, I think it's I think it's really funny when people are like, "Oh, dude, do you even know what you're talking about?" Like, listen, I get that Nick Williams should play more. Like, I I watch every game. Thank you. Like, I I I understand. I just I love Aaron Altair, and I think if they gave him more chances, and he's been ripping the ball. Don't think don't think I missed those two walks on Saturday as well, or on on Friday, and then. And then the rope double last on Saturday night. So don't don't think I missed that. But um, yeah. So so one of the the reasons I don't like Nick Williams is because I think his hands are slow and I don't trust his swing. But what I may have miscalculated, and you know, I thought was really interesting in, in an Eno Saris piece that came out like two or three weeks ago. I, I I purposely chose to bury it and not show anyone because I didn't want anyone to believe that Nick Williams was good. Have any but, ammunition against you in their arguments? Yeah, so I'm 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 being proactive. You know, you know thank me for my service. Um, he is like one of the best hitters in the league with plate coverage. Like he, his ability to like his ability to hit balls hard, like that he, guys just have no business hitting hard. Like he can just like kind of throw the bat out there and get a hit. And I thought that was really interesting. Like he was the outlier. Like his batting average was was way lower than the guys ahead of him. I forget who the other guys in there were. I think it was like Goldschmidt. And some other guys, but I thought that was interesting. And I think that's, you know, and now ever since I've read that, I've kind of watched him more closely. And he does really get a, do a good job of just throwing the bat head out there and, and hitting the ball the other way and just getting a hit when he can. Um, it's interesting. And I thought the Unisaris piece uh, was was a good, you know, qualm some of my, some of my fears about Nick Williams. Still don't totally trust him. Like, I can't believe the overreactions to a 230 hitter. But whatever. I mean, you guys can tweet me whatever you want. But... Um. Yeah. No. He's been. He's been good. He's been good. He should play every day. Although tomorrow, I just come on, Gabe. Throw. Throw all Tara Bone. At least one of the games. Yeah. And, and throw, I look. I think he will. I think he will. I think you're not getting in, but I think altera has got a shot. Um. Well, if Aaron gets in, that's a win for me too. Yeah. Exit. So. It's basically like you getting in there. I think Altair is playing about as well as you would this season. And here's another thing that I just here's another thing that I don't understand. Like everyone's like, well, what has Altair ever done? Listen, Aaron Altair batted 280 with 20 homers and had a 350 OBP last year, and also was an elite level defensive player in right field. Like, like this guy is not some like scrub that's never hit before. Like he's shown flashes of like I'm not some idiot that just started watching baseball. Like this guy has shown flashes of being an elite level talent. <laughs> like he he just has he just has. That's just you're feisty tonight. I love it. Everyone tweeted Jack how much Aaron Altair stinks. Um, all right. I, I, I can kidding. That was uh, yes. He will never sting. His one seventy average is terrific. But he, went, he went through a cold spell and all of a sudden can't get his <laughs> job back for a two two oh five hitter. Yeah. Look, Eric, look. You mentioned <laughs> with Nick Williams though. I do think that that I think that's a really interesting thing to to kind of mention that the plate coverage and the ability to to you know maybe he's been a little unlucky here but I, that's something this team could use a, a guy that does have that kind of plate coverage and with their approach at the plate can put the ball on you know put the bat on the ball late in counts and deep in counts so um you know the nick williams hate has gone too far jack it's time to rein it back in uh speaking of hate going too far did the Jake Arietta hate go too far? Is he back, Jack? Look, he wasn't dominating, but eight strikeouts, which we haven't seen him do in a while. And granted, against the lineup he dominated before, maybe he just uh, kind of owns Pittsburgh. It's not a great lineup to begin with, but a, a, a nice outing from Arietta on Saturday. Yeah, and I was I was encouraged, um, mostly because um, so 
What I've noticed recently in his last couple starts is that he's been trying to get his fastball into lefties. And uh, it hasn't been great because he's really struggling. And this is one of the struggles with the, the crossfire delivery is that it doesn't let you get inside the lefties. Like, it's great against righties. lets you get the sinker under the bat. But against lefties, it's just tough because you have to throw across your body and it's just tough to locate that. So recently, he has been bad at getting to the inside against lefties. So it's been leaking out across the plate, and he's just been finding, finding barrels and whatever. But what he did on Saturday that I thought was interesting is now he's starting to throw his, his cutter in and his slider down and in to lefties. And I think that's a game changer because it just it lets guys get off of his fastball a little bit. Like Jake Arrieta is getting ripped. Like his fastball is getting destroyed. But if he can have a good off speed, then it kind of makes his fastball a little bit harder to square up. And I thought on, on Saturday he had good off speed. And for the most part, he had good fastball location. Like Arietta with bad fastball location, it's just like he's just almost unpitchable. But I thought he did a better job against lefties. He had a better plan of attack. He was throwing that cutter in, which was giving them something else to think about. I think they were. I think, I think lefties go in expecting pitches away that they can look to drive, um, because he hasn't been able to get in. On Saturday, I thought I did a good job of getting in with the slider. Um. One other guy I wanted to mention before we move on and quickly discuss some of the interesting trade rumors that have been out there now. But quickly, uh, Scott Kingery, a really nice weekend. Obviously, had a, a big game on Friday. I think four hits, four for five. Yep. And then that big hit to drive in. Um, who was it? Triple? We were just talking about him. I can't remember. Oh, yeah, Nick Williams. To drive Blacked in Nick out. Williams after he, he tripled in the run, ties the game. Uh, but a clutch oh, hit from Kingery there. You- what, what is I it? think it's cute how you point out the Nick Williams triple, but don't point out there an Altair double later. You uh, trying to fit a narrative here, James? Yeah. Well, hey, you know your bias is showing. Well, the, yeah, the Aaron Altair double didn't really have much of an influence on the game. That Jorge Alfaro double did, but yes, it did. Yeah, it's that great. was a big one. That was a big one. But look, um, Kingery has played. It started to hit a little bit. Yeah, it played much yeah. better over the last month or so. Where are you at with Kingery? Uh, well, uh, his this last month. Uh, before today's game, um, he's been batting 280 with a 324 OBP um, in the last 30 days. I think all that's right. great. Like, all right, all right. I'll take that. Listen, yeah. Yeah, two homers. If you if you 280 would like lead the team practically. Right, right, right. <laughs> now, of course, you have like the four for five game mixed in there, or and he had, and he had two three hit games mixed in there, so it's coming in in big bursts, which is you know fine. But just the fact that he doesn't look completely lost at the plate, um, I will take that. And really, I, I haven't been noticing him at shortstop as much. Like I feel the he's same been way. Making, he's been making the simple plays. He's his arm looks pretty good. Uh, it looks he's like got he's finally range getting comfortable too. He's yeah, it looks like he's range. finally getting comfortable there. Um, really, the whole defense as a whole, I haven't really noticed a big problem with. Um, some of the, the defensive issues happen during shifts, which is, you know, I mean, they just, it just kind of happens. But um, Kingery, I feel like I feel like he's really coming along. Uh, it doesn't look completely lost offensively. Feel like he's been, although I mean, every time I watch him, he's in he's in an O2 count. It's it's unbelievable. But um, yeah, 280 with 324 OBP in the last month. I think that's good. Um, and at the end of the year, we're gonna look at his stats and be like, oh, that's what a rookie looks like. His spring training was phenomenal. They gave him a huge contract, but like, like it's not even that huge of a contract. If he's if he's an average MLB player for the next seven years, like it's not a big deal at all. They didn't really pay him that much. It looks like a lot. 
and he hasn't played great, but he looks like a rookie, and he's going to be fine. Yeah, I'm 100% there with you, and I think it's very heartening to see him start to swing the bat a little bit well, look a little more comfortable. As we discussed many times, there was a, a stretch of baseball there where he really did look overmatched, but he's really turned it around. And and like you said, I've been most impressed with him defensively over the last few weeks, month or so. He's been much more sure-handed and has covered a lot of ground and seems to be more comfortable controlling things out there, calling people off on pop-ups into short outfield, all that type of stuff. I just feel like he he seems more comfortable playing the position, and he's got the arm for it. There's no question about it. So um, I, I've been pretty impressed with Kingery across the board. All right, uh, a few names. Uh, the, it looks like the Manny Machado thing, as we've discussed a lot on this podcast, Unlikely to happen. Look, there's so much posturing. And again, there is still, uh, you know, three weeks to go until the trade deadline. So still a lot can happen. A lot of things can change. But it looks like the Phillies are not going to be the team to give up the most to go get Manny Machado. Zeroing in on some other names. We had heard one name from Kansas City and Mike Mustagas, who potentially is still on the board. But a- another name surfaces over the weekend who I hadn't had my eye on at all. Whit Merrifield potential Phillies target as well. Would you, you put any stock into that report? What do you think of Merrifield as a potential target for the Phillies? And really where, where would they play him? Yeah. Well, first Machado, if we're, if we're rooting for him, you know, to become a Philly, I think the best options uh, for our eyes besides, you know, him being a Philly would be Milwaukee and Arizona. They both can't pay him. He will be a guarantee to make free agency. Um, if he goes to one of those two places. The so, caveat, uh, of course, you could have to face him in the playoffs. Yeah, it's not about this year. But, yes, I agree. Um, yeah, and Whit Merrifield. So, Whit Merrifield, I was thinking about this today because I knew we were going to talk about this. It's kind of like it's kind of like in 2009 when everyone thought we were going to get Roy Halladay, we ended up with Cliff Lee, and then people were like, wait, who's Cliff Lee? And then he goes out and shoves and, like, dominates like the most – unbelievable run from a Phillies pitcher I can remember. Um, it won't be that good, but I feel like everyone's like, oh, man, Machado, want Machado, want Machado, and then we'll end up with Mer- with Whit Merrifield and be like, well, who's this guy? And then they'll watch him, and they'll be like, wow, this guy's really good. Uh, Whit Merrifield is a very good player. He went for like four for four today as well, so um, he's still hitting pretty well. He was better last year, stole more bases last year, um, but is, is a legitimate stolen base threat. Doesn't hit for a bunch of power, but... Um, Around three hundred with a with a three something three fifty something OBP, um, I'll take it. Yeah, I'm, I like Merrifield a lot. He can play a lot of different places on the field. I think he plays six different positions last season. Uh, you know, you can put him in at any of the spots in the outfield, especially the corner outfield spots. He can play second. He could play third in a pinch. I think he is a, a very versatile guy. Uh, play first if needed. So I, I like Whit Merrifield. I think that's a nice option for the guy. Uh, yeah, I mean, listen. He's batting 293 this year with the 362 OBP. Like that's yeah. that's really good. It's really like, good. We'll, de- we'll we'll definitely take that. Um, only has five homers. Had 19 last year. Also stole 34 bases last year. He has stolen 16 this year. So I mean, theoretically, he'll still use some bags. Um, so yeah, no, I think I think it was a really interesting idea. He's under club control, I think, for the next three years. Um, so he he helps you out in that in that scenario, um, and it, it feels like they're looking to upgrade right field. And there's been a bunch of reports this week talking about how um, they're looking for a bat more than a starter. 
which which makes a lot of sense. So um, yeah, that there are going to be there's going to be a lot of rumors for for bats. Yeah, so he is he's under team control for next year, and then has three arbitration years out the 2022. Wow. So yeah, he would you would have him pretty well locked up for the next which couple is, of years. Which is surprising that that's the type of guy the Royals are looking to deal. That should be the type of guy they're looking to build around. But regardless, yeah. Of- well, I guess they've. They're just trying to, you know, get what they can for players, of course. Right. But uh, I look, I think that's a great deal. I think Merrifield's a, an asset as well as a, a player in that case. So I, I look, I love the idea. I think that I, I think it's very clear that they need a bat far more than they need a starter. I don't think there's yeah. any question about that. Um, look, they got Velasquez back pitching on Wednesday and uh, obviously Eikhoff saw on the comeback trail and the other guys, especially with Arietta looking a little better, you feel pretty good about as well. So um, speaking of I which... Mean, you're, bearing, you're bearing the lead, man. Daniel well, De Los Santos is pitching on Tuesday. Did, did they call him up for, for Tuesday for sure? Yeah, that's what the, the, the Tom, Tom House pick said. Oh, I didn't see that. Ooh. Yeah, buddy. And, and Yell, getting the start in New York. All right, so let's look ahead here because that's a nice way to transition. And we'll have lots more trade talk as the deadline approaches uh, throughout this entire month. But looking at four games with the uh, the Mets coming up here in three days, a doubleheader on Tuesday. But, uh, excuse me, doubleheader today, uh, Monday. Uh, Zach Eflin and Aaron Nola going today. But how about that? Eniel de los Santos going on Tuesday. What are your thoughts on Eniel? What should people be looking for? Oh, I'm so excited for Eniel de los Santos. Like, my favorite comp for Eniel de los Santos is a young Jair Jurgens. Um, <laughs> Such has... a random comp. I like, I, I was a Jair Jurgens fan. Oh, I love Jair Jurgens. Like, I still, I still like mess around with his mechanics when I'm doing my mechanic stuff. Um, uh, because the why why it fits for me is they both throw 94 95 but he also short arms pitches so he short arms his his change up um rather than having like a hammer slider or whatever he he kind of it's it's hard to explain but basically he just short arms all of his pitches so he short arms his fastball and short arms his change up but it's a devastating changeup like it's a, it's a really really good changeup um and it's a it's a direct byproduct of of him Short arming it, so I think we'll see a good changeup, good fastball. He has a curveball slash slider that's developing, but um, I'm intrigued. He he was leading the international league in ERA um, before they called him up. Uh, wasn't on the forty man, which is interesting. So he wasn't on the forty man roster. Uh, so they're, they're it's weird. Like I can't tell if they're bringing him up to stay or if it's just gonna be a spot start. Like why would you activate him from the forty man if it was just to if it was just to make a spot start? Like that didn't seem like it made some sense, but. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really excited for Daniel De Los Santos, mostly because we can finally put to bed the Freddie Galvez stuff. Yeah, buddy. It, it's officially over, but, but look, I think, um, it could be a spot start. To, it's a spot for a spot start as it were with the doubleheader on Monday. They are playing eight games this week. They have the makeup game on Thursday against Baltimore, then the Marlins over the weekend. So eight games this week. So it, you know, they were going to need a spot start. I think it's interesting that De Los Santos is the guy they're calling up. But when you look at the fact that they needed a spot start today with Drew Anderson as well, um, you know, it, it's interesting. Uh, look, I think if he comes up and he throws eight shutout innings or something, it's going to be hard to send him back down. But um, it, it's going to be interesting. Yeah. It's going to be interesting. But I, I do think that ultimately I think the intent is is a spot start, if I had to guess. Yeah, and um... – you know, I think they're planning on using their bullpen more on 
on Tuesday in the San the De Los Santos on fight. Monday. Well, I would think I would think tomorrow. I think they set it up this way because they so they can to, go Nola and Eflin. Yeah, 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 I got you. And they didn't want to they didn't want to kill the bullpen in one game. And and you know I I feel like it was more protecting the bullpen by having these two guys go um, tomorrow, which I think is a, is a smart move. Yeah, um, get your two horses out there so you don't you know crush the bullpen. And then Tuesday. Bring up De Los Santos. If he shoves, he shoves. If he doesn't, you have a bunch of bullpen behind him ready to go. All right, Fritz, last thing before we get out of here. You've mentioned it before, the the outrage you feel of the national media, us not getting respect here in Philadelphia with the Phillies. Well, guess what? Aaron Nola is your only all-star. Are you outraged, Jack? Or is that No, because this is a team. This is a team. We do not. Uh, we do not have individual stars in this team. Um, no, like, I don't know. Like, who's going to be an all-star? I'm with you. Like, it's fair. It, Oduble was the only other guy you thought maybe. But look, Zach, yeah. if Zach Eflin had got going a little earlier, maybe. But Well, Sir Anthony is another guy that maybe. But listen, there's so many good players in the NL. That pitching staff, <laughs> I was just looking at it, and I started shivering. Oh, it's crazy. It, it's crazy. It's disgusting. It's absolutely disgusting. So, But let's talk about Aaron Nola because Aaron Nola, two seasons ago, Everyone's like, well, I don't know if he's going to make it through a season healthy, the elbow stuff, and boom. Two years later, he's one of the best starters in the NL. And the NL, the NL pitching-wise is, is freaking stacked. And for him to come out and, and shove every single night, it feels like, where it's like seven innings, less than two runs. Thank you, Aaron. Now go back to bed. Like, that's, that's exactly what he does. He is like – he is what Greg Maddox looked right like. Like that's what he looks like. He looks like Greg Maddox. I don't care what anyone says. He, that's what Greg Maddox is. He's a modern day Greg Maddox. Wow. Well, he, he's not quite there yet, but he's oh, all, he's, oh Greg Maddox, cry me a river. Greg, Greg Maddox, Greg Maddox no, stop, stop, child, child, <laughs> child, please. All right? I'm just kidding. Greg, Greg Maddox. Maddox Greg Maddox had perfect control. Like I know. Anyway, anyway I feel you. The point is, it, the Greg point Maddox. is, it's. Look, the fact that he's 25 and he's doing what he's doing and he's taking the leaps he already has, I, I'm with you, man. The ceiling, his ceiling is certainly like that. Like, he could be a great Hall of Fame type pitcher if, if he's doing what he's doing at 25. Well, and, and everyone's like, well, the league's going to adjust to him. It's like, how? How is, the, how is the league going to adjust to a guy that can throw in a 2-1 count whatever pitch he wants? Like, guys don't have a game plan for him because he can locate all three pitches. It's It's... It's like he, you, you can't have a game plan against them. All right, rate and review the podcast. It makes Fritz really happy. It helps us out on iTunes. Tell your friends and family. We need as many beautiful, wonderful, yeah, high hopes listeners out there as well. Fritz, uh, any final words before we get out of here? Um, I mean, I did text you earlier this week saying that I appreciate every single one of the high hopes listeners. He did. This is a true fact. He said, I love them. I think they're smarter than other listeners, and I just think they're the best. And that's what he said yeah. to me. I really did say that. It, so. it is not. It is not facetious. Um, so rate uh, and review. Make, make Jack happy. Do that for rate him. Review, rate and review. And uh, Aaron Altair two for four with a homer tomorrow in the starting lineup on Tuesday, <laughs> and, we get, and we get this thing rolling. We finally get this thing rolling. And then again. they trade for Whit Merrifield, and they both sit every day. Oh, and and I've talked about this many times. I will flip so quickly on Aaron Altair when Adam Hazley is in right field. Because yeah. I've, already, I've already said that Adam Hazley is Benintendi 2.0. So I can't say he's Benintendi 2.0 and not 
fully back him being the right fielder. Yeah, we need a little more power to be Benintendi 2.0, but yeah, maybe on his way there. Maybe on his way. Listen, he's in Reading now. He'll get his power. All right. Uh, he's not in Reading. He's not in Reading yet. I love <laughs> Soon he will be in Reading. Fritz, you're digging yourself a hole. All right, buddy. I'm just um, having mostly fun, but I, I love Aaron. I know. And you love Aaron Ontario, you love the Phillies, and you love the High Hopes listeners. That's what I've taken yes. away from this podcast. All right, guys, we will be back uh, later this week. Four games in three days. We'll be back to talk about it all and look ahead to the weekend. Either Thursday, Friday, somewhere in there, we will definitely be back for you. So for Jack Fritz, I'm James Seltzer. Uh, thanks for listening to this podcast.